Women's Leadership Project podcast. Yay! Yay. <laughs> um, today we are so lucky to have Andrea Alexandra from our Action Research Project team and Nicole Di Mabio from our Art and Culture team. And I'm Chido Nyarwata from the Action Research Project team. Okay, Nicole and Andrea, can you please introduce yourselves? Hello. I am Akwal Dimabir and I am an, an honor student at ECT studying uh, film theory and practice. I am an aspiring African filmmaker. I've made two short films and I love, well, I want to make films about black African women. Hi guys, I'm Andrea. I am currently doing my honors degree in gender and transformation at UCT. Um, I'm an aspiring academic, black academic, poison colored academic. Um, yeah, that's who I am for now. Okay, and I'm Chido, I'm a master's and international relations student. Um, I'm an aspiring Afrofem scholar. I look at international relations from an African feminist perspective because international relations affects black women at every level and you know in the literature they don't show that so I want to highlight that and yeah that's that's me. So every two weeks new members of the YWL team are going to have a special podcast episode available for you to listen to. Um, at the moment you can check us out on SoundCloud but hopefully in the future we will also be available on iTunes. <laughs> okay, so for the topic of the day, um, why have we chosen to use a question mark in place of the A, O, and E? Um, and so firstly, when we were tasked to do the logo, redo the logo, we obviously needed to use the word or the words young women's leadership in the logo. And so as we were approaching this, we started unpacking the idea of what it means to be a woman. And so um, we came to the conclusion that using an A or an E can be exclusionary for um, exclusionary and also using an X that also tends to not include all people who identify as women. And so in using a question mark, we are constantly questioning this idea of what it means to be a woman. And so we thought that would be most appropriate. And I think the question mark just also, it kind of moves away from, you know, language. Like, language is a very important thing. So, if you have a question mark, you're able to, like, like Andrea said, Andrea said, <laughs> that you're able to, like, unpack and to question it. I mean, it's always important to see how is the idea of a woman evolving. And it's, because it's not static, you know, it's not just cis women who were born with certain parts at birth and are women. No, I mean, it's, we need to include and we need to actually recognize that trans women exist. They are women, you know, that's how they identify themselves. So it's just giving, it's creating a space for us for dialogue and to make sure that all voices are included. That was the kind of feel that we had when we put the question mark there. So many colonial languages are so rigid and they don't allow for flexibility. 
So I feel like the question mark allows for flexibility. I also feel that in putting the question mark, it kind of ensures that we're creating like a safe feminist circle. I think when you start to read articles online and interact with people and different feminists, you actually start to realize that even though we have this shared idea, we don't realize how in our everyday lives we're actually very, we're excluding other feminists, you know, and how other people practice it. So I think it's important to make sure that we recognize how powerful language is. So like, it's just, it goes back down to the importance of language and how we use it. So yeah. I think that was and making sure that our safe our spaces are actually safer, safer. you know. Yeah, safer. <laughs> yeah exactly. you can't create a safe space. Mm-hmm. Or we try to challenge that idea that safe spaces are able to be created. So we um, propose the idea of safer spaces, which we will unpack in another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so stay tuned. The fact that we occupy or we identify in ways that are dominant, are normative, what does it mean that we are having this conversation? Yeah, I think that it is a problem to have the conversation in the absence of someone who does identify as trans or who who does identify as gender non-conforming. Yeah, um, I agree with what you're saying and I think that's why it's so important that we are constantly reflecting on our positionality and our relation to power in how we are located to other people. So I think that's important that we always self-reflexive. But should we not have the conversation at all? I know that Chimamanda Adichie said some very transphobic things and I reflected on it um, and I, I felt it was transphobic, I felt it was wrong what she said. She had said that um, trans women are not women, trans women are trans women. And I do believe that we should call people what they call themselves. But I also don't believe that now everything that she has ever done or said is now without value. Because somebody has made a mistake. I don't actually know if she thinks that it was a mistake because even her, she didn't apologize. And like, there's many problems with that. But then I, I mean, I wonder about the way that we talk about problems, like problems in, in our own engagement with um, power and the ways in which that we wield power sometimes, does it mean that people must now be written out or called out in ways that, like, does that mean, does, does Chimamanda now have no value because she made these transphobic comments? I think it's important that we look at the, the power of naming. And so if we are going to be, if people choose to name themselves trans women instead of just women, um, what is the experiences of the trans person or trans woman compared to a cis woman? There's definitely two different lived realities. And so I think it's important. In some ways it's important, but I'm also not sure. I'm still trying to figure it out. And I'm also not trans, so I can't speak on that reality. You know, I kind of feel like I'm trying to understand as a black woman, what does that mean? And I think more importantly, as somebody who, who's lived in two different countries, so I've had an experience of being born in Zimbabwe, moving at a very young age, coming to South Africa, having my childhood here, and moving here, you know, 
my grasp of Shana is horrendous. Like, <laughs> you know, I can't speak, like, I mean, I'm, it's broken, right? And now when I go home and I try and engage with my family, I'm kind of seen as, you know, the Salala in the family. And being the Salala means, you know, you're the coconut of the family, you don't know how to speak your own language. And that even in that, as a, a Shoshana woman, right, especially as your idea is you're going to bear children, you're going to pass things on. Now the fact that I don't have the grasp of the language, which a language is a very important part of a culture, it's like, okay, as a Zimbabwean woman, do I, do I have cultural value? And if not, then am I seen as a good Zimbabwean woman? So it's not necessarily that like there's only Shana that's there, but there's Debele, there's Tsonga, there's all of these other tribes, but in that context, I don't know who I am. And then in the South African context, I might look like I'm from South Africa, but now I don't speak the local vernacular here. And then it's just like, okay, if culturally I'm not deemed as a good woman, then who am I, right? And... Just even looking at the role of African women being this strong person who puts everybody's load. I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. So in me not wanting to take everybody's load, am I still a good woman? You know, it's like these questions kind of just like filter in me so that what does it mean for me to be a woman if I'm not associating myself with cultural links, if I'm not wanting to take the pain or the the burdens am I still what does that mean like for me like how am I defining or perceiving what African womanhood is that's what I'm kind of grappling with right now I relate in many ways <laughs> yeah um, because I I'm trying to relearn my language mm -hmm. I think it's a matter of decolonizing mm -hmm. so I think that the X or the question mark is it a potential way of trying to decolonize. But then I wanted to ask if you, do you replace the A or E? You know, of late, like before, I think our retreat, I think I had just put, uh, yeah, I just put an X. But then now when I look at it and I start to see how other people were feeling about it, especially individuals from the trans community, and then, you know, saying, reading the word that we've read, I'm like kind of feeling like, is it my, am I allowed to take an X now? You know, it's, it's about that ownership, you know, especially if I'm from a dominant place of power, I can't take it from them. So I think the question mark is actually helping me in that regard, like to not feel like I'm hijacking something from another individual, you know. Or yeah. silencing them. Exactly, or silencing them, yeah, exactly. And yourself? Um, so I always use the A or the E for myself. Um, but I understand my location as a cis-hate woman. Um, but I also understand um, that the parameters of women is always changing. So I also do like this question mark. And I think it's, it's a cool way of also shifting the narrative and making people think and question. But why the question mark? Um, and so that's cool. And then also something that I noted after we um, changed our name on Facebook to women with a question mark, people started messaging me with with the word woman but question mark in it. Mm. And they weren't talking about the young women's leadership, they were just talking about women in general. Yeah. So, so that was so cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome, yeah. yeah. That was a really cool. I don't, in my own writing, um, I don't. Um, change the word 
but I do also value the destabilizing it, mm-hmm. you know, because it's not a, it's 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 to show that it's not a stable term, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think that's important. So we think about it. We think about it more. I think for me, um, the woman project has been a very personal one because identifying as a woman has only come very recently. So it's always been this um, thing of transitioning from teenagehood or childhood into womanhood that I was still trying to understand what does it even mean to be a woman? Like, what does it mean? And so, yeah, I'm still new to this woman thing. Yeah, um, I know that my mom has started calling us strong women and it was like a strange transition. I don't know, there was something very cool about it. Like, what, what would she say? She'd be like, no, but you're a strong woman. But she never used to say that. So, I don't know. Actually, I haven't thought about it properly. Did you, did you identify as a girl? Yeah, as a girl. So going from identifying as a girl to identifying as a woman and really our relationships with our mothers or mother figures or aunties or you know and them seeing and the way that that shifts yeah. there's certain conversations that they're willing to have yeah. with you and it's like but this is strange like you, sometimes for me it's difficult to kind of become a best friend with my mom yeah. you know I think as I've gotten older she wants to be a lot more open and I'm like, but where was this openness, you know, a couple of years ago, you know? So I think that is part of the transition. Yeah, it's, it's a weird place to be in, you know? I think also for me it is. It's, it's learning from the girl to a woman, but then what kind of woman do I want to be? So it's, that's, that's where, you know, it's kind of strange. Um, I'm wondering if... Do, are we encouraging binaries? De- destabilizing the binary can be a scary thing. But what about women? Or, but I am a woman. Mm. Is that, actually, is that the future? Is the future, is the feminist future non-binary? Should the feminist future be non-binary? I think so. Um, because I think... Um, the feminist project is so linked to um, decolonization. And so how are we just going to erase people's lives? The West has been doing that to us for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And so I think... Yeah, I just had a thought that we can hold on to the category as long as we need to fight against discrimination on the basis of us being women. And if that discrimination no longer exists, then the category is, may not be relevant anymore. Because that's the only way that, that's the only time that I'm like, I identify as a woman because I'm discriminated against as a woman. So in order to, in order to know my struggle, I must also be able to name myself. So if there, if we win the battle, if the struggle is over, then perhaps then the cat, or in my, in my view, perhaps then the category is no longer relevant. I don't know if that makes sense. It's a deep question, eh? Now, I'm still uh, like processing a, a Carl's point. <laughs> like I'm, I'm still thinking. Like I'm just like, damn, is it, is it not binary? And I know I'm gonna sound like a horrible person, but what does the struggle end? Is that is that very euphoric? You know, I think like the degrees might 
not be as extreme, but does does the fight against patriarchy end? Because sometimes when we're dreaming of the future, we have to be a bit realistic because I think there'll always be opposition. People who are in position of power don't just give up easily and it exists on so many levels. So even if we do end the discrimination and try to remove the category, like in our minds, in reality, is that possible? I think so. I think that the first part is that we need to be able to we need to have room in our imaginations for that possibility. Mm. Um, otherwise, it becomes too easy to fall into despair. Yeah. Like, so easy. Because things are so messed up. Can we swear? <laughs> <laughs> things are fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> on so many levels. On so many levels. So, I think that, there, yeah. And I think that part of the, part of the struggle is creating that room in our imaginations. Mm. Yeah, and there there was a time. I, I think there was a time when there was, it was non-binary, and then and then we had our encounter with colonialism, and you know it has it hasn't been forever that we've been this way, and it's not going to be forever that we will be this way. So we must imagine that future for ourselves, or at least that I believe that that we must, even if we don't personally get to see get it. there. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sure, I think that's true. It, w- it won't be in our lifetime, I don't think. Um, but I think it's important that we continue to struggle and create safe spaces or safer spaces for women and queer people and people just to engage around feminism and what it means to be a gendered person in this world. And I think we shouldn't be so fixated on quantity. So, like, yes, today we've got a hundred feminists. Or to, like it should be like the quality of your feminism, because you can proclaim that you are feminist, but you could also be exclusionary. So like with Chimamanda, she um, promotes herself as a feminist, but she's also been transphobic. So what does that mean for feminism? I think it also just highlights that within the feminist movement there are these tensions, mm-hmm. and I think sometimes because we. Or maybe the idea of sisterhood and solidarity, we want to paint a picture that all feminists are fine, but then in doing so, we kind of discredit ourselves because we can't be critical within our movement because we need to constantly be checking ourselves, you know? And if we're, if we're not doing that, then what's the point? We're just being as bad as the system or the structure that we're trying to fight against. If we're saying that we're allowing problematic things within our movement just because our fellow sister has said it. So I think that's another thing which we need to interrogate, especially as like young feminists, you know, it's something that we constantly need to be looking, checking our points, our positionality, seeing how I, as a middle-class black woman, might be able to have better access to certain things that a working-class woman might not have. And I think it also ties into the commonalities and differences that we have as women. I think it's it's so important to just look at our, our differences within the movement, because if we're able to be to check that out as we go out as like a whole movement in the world, 
you know, we're able to hold each other and say, okay, we have this common goal, but even in our common goal, we also have our own differences. And I need to make sure that I recognize how I as an individual contribute or I might ex- like make it worse for you. As you were saying about Chimamanda, I was thinking about, my first thought was that she's being anti-intersectional. Mm-hmm. So I felt like a theory like intersectionality allows us to continue to be critical even of ourselves and each other. Mm-hmm. Like there's this idea, there's this critique of intersectionality that it's, it can only it only applies to black women or it's all it's just about valorizing black women is that the right word valorizing <laughs> well making black women look good as if like we're heroes or we're perfect or whatever but then i felt like if you can apply an intersectional critique on what she said and say like those were transphobic comments and that was an anti-intersectional, the way she dealt with it, like everything from what she said to how she was after she said it, it was just all, I was like, cringe. Anyhow. And then the other thing is, I've heard that there's an argument, and I haven't engaged it as much as I guess I should, but then maybe maybe someone can, can help me with it, that we should... That, that people should be called pregnant people and not pregnant women. Mm-hmm. Now, now I, I thought to myself, but don't we, don't, can't we still call ourselves what we call ourselves? So if somebody says that I call myself a pregnant woman, is that person being trans-exclusionary? Or if somebody insists that this person who calls themselves a pregnant woman calls themselves a pregnant person, aren't they naming them for them? And isn't that also violent to tell somebody what to call themselves? Actually, I'm not even saying things. I'm just posing questions <laughs> that are in my own head. <laughs> I think it's a problem to, um, to, impose things on, to impose names on other people. I think we have a history of that. I think for me, it's just the problem of having other people name or label me. You know? It's... You don't have that right to give me a label. It's, it's, it's not yours to give, it's mine to state. I'm the one who has the power to state who I am, how I view my body. That, that's me, you know. Um, so I think it is violent to label another person. But I sometimes feel like it gets so complicated, you know. Like it, it does get complicated because now we're saying, as a group, um, there are pregnant people and then not pregnant women. Like, even just bringing it out, like, how do we even begin to unpack that? You know, because there's a reason why that term has come about. Mm-hmm. But pregnant people. Exactly, pregnant yeah. people. I think it's the defining womanhood in terms of biology mm-hmm. and trying to move away from that definition by biology. Like, even during the Women's March... Was it during the inauguration? Yeah, last year. Yeah. And then, had and then there were one. those hats that everybody was wearing and it was like... <laughs> the pink reduced, hats. Yeah. Yes, so yes. There, was, there are arguments that that's like reducing what it means to be a woman or to identify as a woman or a femme mm-hmm. at, down to body parts or mm-hmm. biology and... I think that, that that conversation needs to be had or that argument needs to be engaged. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, so that's the, that, those are the things mm-hmm. that are playing in my own mind. 
I agree. Um, and I think that reducing women into its biology is a problem because also linking women into motherhood is a problem because not all cishet women decide to have children, but also not all cishet women are able to for various reasons. So how do we, how would we define womanhood, you know, uh, like, how are we imagining it? That's the big question. <laughs> you know, because we definitely want to stay away from the biological, yes, mm. the biological understanding of womanhood, and now we want to see it, I don't, I don't want to say like as a construct, but as an idea, so that it is... Even saying this word accommodating, because accommodating is also just problematic, but to, to make sure that it's not exclusionary, you know, like yeah. how in our own different lives, because at the end of the day, there isn't a universal womanhood. I think that's something that needs to be stressed, mm-hmm. is that there isn't a universal womanhood. So what is it? If it's not universal, it's based on our own experiences. But even in our own lives, what are we perceiving it to be? It's an, it's an unstable term. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's no need to reduce it to one thing nah. or to like hold it down in, in this quarter. Like it must be brought down to this one thing. <laughs> so I think that, um, and I thought about it, I, I heard like people chastise intersectionality and feminism because it's like they feel like it's this spiraling out of control. It's like um, spiraling into madness. And I think that that's the right way if we're going that way like outwards instead of trying to reduce things mm. then that's better that that means we're going in or that's how i that's how i interpret it i don't know what it means to be a woman i'm still trying to find this out to myself um hopefully Puma is the answer for us <laughs> i don't know i'm still constructing it but i think like seeing that being a woman is not biological it's not there's so many things that it's not so what is it so I think it's just what you make of it, I guess. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out myself. So. All right. So our 20 minutes is up. <laughs> um, but thank you so much to everyone who tuned in to our first ever YWL podcast. We're so excited for the future of this platform and everything we have to offer from it. If you're interested in learning more about YWL and keeping up with everything, we have planned for 2018. Make sure that you follow us on YWLPUCT on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Let me say that again. That's YWLPUCT on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Hit them likes. Yes. Hit them follow. Yes. Come through. <laughs> Find the pots. Um, so we also have an amazing monthly newsletter. You can sign up for that by following the link in the description. We promise no spam, just tons of amazing articles, podcast episodes, events, and memes. Lots and lots of memes. <laughs> Yay. And if you have any questions, complaints, funny stories, or want to be a guest on our next podcast, email, email us at ywlp.uct at gmail.com. One more time. Mm-hmm. YWLP.ECT at gmail.com. <laughs>